Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday the 28th of July. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network. Allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix. Keeps your data safe as well. Check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN. You get 20% off at checkout. Also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company. Located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide, homeofhopcroft.co.uk. We are also brought to you by the EPL Index shop, which you can now find on Etsy. So just download the Etsy app, search EPL Index shop, you'll find a whole host of stuff. If you're a Man City fan or a Chelsea fan, there's loads of stuff celebrating your recent success. If you're a Liverpool fan, there is the Anfield Index shop on there as well. You can check out what's available there again on Etsy. So just download the Etsy app and search either EPL Index Shop or Anfield Index Shop. Right, folks, uh, we have a small bit of news today, not a whole bunch. Uh, and we're going to just do a bit of fantasy football and talk about some maybe potential targets for certain clubs. So with Liverpool signing Ibrahima Kanate, Manchester United signing Rafael Varane, Tottenham in the mix to sign Christian Romero and Arsenal in the process of signing Ben White. Centre-backs very much the order of the day and it does appear like Chelsea are also jumping on the train. They are in talks with Sevilla to sign Jules Koundé, young French centre-back, 22 years of age. Can play right-back or centre-back, probably ideal as the right-sided centre-back in a three. He's only five foot ten, so doesn't have... Huge amount of height, but he is very good in the air for his height. Very aggressive player, very athletic player, good pace, very good on the ball. I think he is this generation's Lillian Turam. He may not ever reach the level of Turam, but that's the closest comparison I can make. I think he's brilliant. I think if Chelsea can land him, it would be a tremendous signing. There's talk that perhaps Kurt Zuma could go the other way in a part exchange deal. Uh, would obviously help with the accounting. Kunde would be perfect for Chelsea. If they intend to play a back three moving forward, they clearly, you don't want to play Reese James as your right side centre-back. Now, when they went for Hakimi early in the window, it did seem like that was the plan, that Reese James would play that right side centre-back role. Hakimi would come in as the right wing-back. A natural move from there, having failed to get Hakimi, would be Jules Kunde. Bring him in, play him in that right side centre back role. Very similar build, very similar pace, power to what Reese James can offer. And there you get Reese James back out at wing back, where he is more comfortable, where I think he's a much better fit. 
Chelsea are going to need to put pace either side of Thiago Silva if they intend to play him regularly next season. Rudiger, it looks like, will stay on the left side of that back three. Decent recovery pace. I'm not a huge fan, but he did come on well at the end of last season. They do have the option of playing Andreas Christensen as well. He played very well in spells last season. But Kunde would be by far the best centre-back at the club. A huge upgrade on anything they have there. If they can get him for the rumoured fee, would be about sixty million. And let's say they knock forty-five off for Zuma, so forty. So sorry, like fifteen off for Zuma. So you're looking at forty-five plus Zuma. That's a good deal in my view. At his age, he'll only be twenty-three in November. With the upside, with the potential, with the tra- trajectory he's been on over the last couple of seasons, I think that would be a great deal for Chelsea. Um, there is still interest in him from other clubs. We know he was first choice for Arsenal. He turned them down. Uh, Spurs have a lot of interest in him and still believe that they have a chance to get him. So they may well jump back in the mix here as well. They've just done a deal with Sevilla, so they have an open line of communication. Now, the spoofer with the catchphrase wants you to believe that Chelsea opened talks yesterday and within, within two hours were in advanced negotiations and had agreed all personal terms. That's not the case. Conversation is still ongoing. Uh, speaking to multiple reporters who cover Chelsea, they're confident they can get a deal done, but the price is still high and they would like that price to come down. So it may well be that Sevilla at the moment are standing firm on the buyout clause, which I believe is about 82 million euro. Again, if we look euro, say not 20 off for Zuma. So 62 million euro plus Zuma. It is high. But for his age, his potential, and what he is already, and how he fits a back three, I can't see a better deal out there for Chelsea. I think he is actually perfect for them. Um, I think he's a better fit for Chelsea than he is for Spurs, if Spurs are going to play a back four, which you know does appear to be the case. Um, if Chelsea get this one across the line, it'll be a big, big signing. It would be... In my view, it's a more impactful signing than pretty much anything else they can do at the moment. Um, I, I just think he improves the defence enormously. I said a few days ago, I didn't think anyone would make a better centre-back signing than Christian Romero. Jules Kunde would be a better centre-back signing. And, and I love Romero. I think Romero's exceptional. But Kunde's a level above. They're both brilliant. And if, if Spurs could somehow pull it off and land both of them, that would be... Uh, you'd automatically have to start penciling them in as having potentially one of the best defences in the league moving forward. But if Chelsea get him with what they already have, with how Thomas Tuchel wants to play, with the calibre of players they have in attack, the potential that's there, the wing-backs they have, they'd really be starting to form something that Tuchel can turn into a title-winning team. Other news in the Premier League, Heading in football, professional players in England are now limited to 10 higher force headers a week in training. Professional footballers in England are to be limited to 10 higher force headers a week in training under new guidelines for the upcoming season. It comes after recent multiple studies were conducted into concerns about the long-term dangers of heading. In 2019, a study found professional footballers were more likely to suffer from neurodegenerative brain disease. Guidance for amateurs is 10 headers per session and only one session a week where heading practice is included. It comes after an NP's inquiry early in June, in July rather, uh, said the sport had been allowed to mark its own homework on reducing the risk of brain injuries. The preliminary study identified the varying forces involved in heading a football which were provided to a cross-football working group to help share the guidance, said a statement on behalf of the Football Association, the Premier League, the English Football League, the Professional Football Association and the League Managers Association regarding the professional game. Based on these early findings, which showed the majority of headers involve low forces, the initial focus of the guidance will be on headers that involve higher forces. These are typically headers following a long pass more than 35 metres, or from crosses, corners, or set or free kicks. It will be recommended that a maximum of 10 higher force headers are carried out in any training week. 
This recommendation is provided to protect player welfare and will be reviewed regularly as further research is undertaken to understand more regarding the impact of heading in football. Research into football and head trauma has shown professional footballers are three and a half times more likely to die from dementia than people of the same age range in the general population. The Premier League introduced a trial of additional permanent concussion substitutes in February, while the FA introduced head injury substitutions in the FA Cup in February. Children aged 11 and under are no longer thought to head footballs during training in England, Scotland and Northern Ireland, while FA guidelines for coaches also put limits on how much heading older children should do. I think this is huge. So I've been a big advocate of the concussion substitution and taking it out of the hands of the players, taking it out of the hands of the medical staff of the individual club. I've always said this. There should be an independent adjudicator at every single game funded by the Premier League, the FA, the Football League, who can make a decision when a player suffers a head injury on whether that player can continue or not. This all began to be talked about in real earnest when Hugo Lloris got knocked unconscious at Goodison Park after a collision with Romelu Lukaku and was allowed to continue the game. He was knocked clean out. His head caught Lukaku's knee. He was knocked unconscious. When they woke him up and told him what had happened, he insisted he was fine to play. He wasn't. Nobody would be. But the medical staff gave in to the demands of the players. And myself and Gags Tandon at the time did a podcast with Chris Nowinski, who is a former professional wrestler, but a former Harvard graduate, who was forced to retire from his wrestling career because of concussions. So what Nowinski has done is he has founded the Concussion Legacy Foundation and the Boston University CTE Center. And he has become an advocate for taking care of people who suffer from head injuries. Nowinski also has a PhD in behavioral neuroscience. So if you're looking for his um, credentials, they're, they're very openly available. And he is the best of the best when it comes to this. Myself and Gags Tandon spoke to him about this after that injury. And it became very clear, like, in American football, there's been massive scandal over concussion protocol and things like that over the last few years. There was a film made, a lot of people might have seen with Will Smith. Um, and Nowinski said at the time, like, there's just absolutely no way that a player should be allowed back on the field having suffered a head injury like that. Now, fast forward a couple of years, a less serious injury, but still a concussion nonetheless. Lloris Carrius in the 2017 champ, 2018 rather Champions League final. He gets concussed early on. Sergio Ramos catches him with an elbow. On purpose. He suffers a concussion. He then throws in two goals. It comes out afterwards. Not through him. Through independent sources. That he had gone to Boston. After the Champions League final. Been assessed. And shown to have had a concussion. Now. In the moment. It wasn't clear that he had a concussion. He didn't know he had a concussion. But it affected his judgment. So much that he threw in two goals. It took away his basic abilities to play as a goalkeeper. Because he'd suffered a head injury. That went undiagnosed at the time. We need to do more on this. We really do. There's a foundation. I believe it's the daughter of um, Jeff Astley. The former West Brom footballer. Who died in 2002 from dementia it was shown to have been from heading a football basically that's what caused his life to end so early at the age of 59 he had a very low caliber uh, quality of life for the last few years of his of his life and the jeff astley foundation has basically been set up to 
try and combat this. Try and find a way to limit the risks of players suffering long-term degenerative neurological issues that result in things like CTE, dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. This is something we should all care about. And I think it's a good step forward to see limitations been put on what players have been asked to do and forced to do in training. I think it's massive that we're seeing it kind of taken out of, the, of youth football in, in terms of training. They'll always be heading in the game. But if we can limit what they're doing in training, I think that's a big step forward. I really do. It's something I would advise everybody to go and look into. There's a lot I haven't said. There's a lot that I don't know. I think there's a lot that we can all learn about this because things like CTE, I mean, we used to just associate that with boxers. You know when you'd say somebody was punch drunk, a journeyman boxer, he'd just taken one too many. Well, now we're seeing that with footballers. And in many cases, it can lead to dreadful, dreadful outcomes. Many people will have heard of Chris Benoit for one reason or another. Go and look at the results of the medical examinations that took place on his brain during his autopsy. The head trauma he had suffered caused him to do what he did. Go and look that up and be terrified. And that could happen to anybody. And again, it's not just boxers, pro wrestlers, UFC fighters. It's footballers. It's happening to footballers. What I wanted to do today, with the transfer window starting to heat up, with more teams starting to make moves, with bigger moves starting to happen, did this last summer, thought I'd do it again this summer. 20 signings for 20 clubs. So what I wanted to do was have a look at each Premier League team for the upcoming season and try and find a player that hasn't been linked to them or hasn't been heavily linked to them that could solve a problem position for them. So I thought the best way to do this is just alphabetically start with Arsenal, work our way down to Wolves. Arsenal have a couple of problem issues. Goalkeeper is one, but it looks like they're going to sign Ramsdale. Now, I don't think that solves the problem. I think it makes it worse. I would say Leno's a better goalkeeper than him. But it does look like they're going to go for, for Ramsdale. So we'll leave that one out. They need a centre-back. I would have just kept William Saliba and gone with him. But it, it appears like they're going to sign Ben White, uh, spending $50 million on him. So in their mind, at least, that's that one crossed off. They've been linked with a bunch of midfielders. We'll wait and see what happens there. But I think the biggest problem position for them is right back. You look over the last couple of years, Hector Bellerin has been there. Pre-knee injury, there were promising signs with him. He's always had great speed. He's exceptionally quick, point A to point B. But he lacked defensive awareness. He lacked positional awareness. He wasn't always... He wasn't always the strongest in a challenge. And he could be easily beaten and bullied off the ball at times. Since the knee injury, he's even a shell of the player that was existing before the knee injury. And I think it's time for Arsenal to move on. Now, he allegedly wants to move on. Um, he'd like to go elsewhere. Initially, it seemed like he wanted to go back to Spain. But now there's a lot of talk that he could go to Inter Milan. So Arsenal will need somebody to come in and fill that role. I think their best port of call here is Denzel Dumfries of PSV Eindhoven. Now, there have been some loose links to him, but nothing too concrete, and cer certainly nothing that I've seen reported by any of the good journalists who do cover Arsenal. I think Dumfries, at 25, 6'2", physical, powerful player, very quick, good on the ball, can play as a fullback or a wingback, so gives Arteta that freedom of being able to play 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, or go back to the 3-4-3 that he's played at Arsenal before. Dumfries is a versatile player who gives them that flexibility. 
Obviously, had a very promising Euros. You never buy players based on what they do at international level. But over the last couple of years for PSV Eindhoven, I have been largely impressed with what I've seen. Um, I think Dumfries will be available at a good price. I think he fits in with kind of the, the age bracket of player that they should be looking for. Gives them a little bit of experience at right back. So you have him, you have Kieran Tierney at left back. Cedric Sores will be a fine backup. You've got Nuno as the backup left back. There's your fullbacks boxed off and sorted. If you do it right, you can probably get the same kind of money for Bellerin as you're going to spend on Dumfries. There's rumours of a buyout clause, whether they're true or not, I don't know. But I think he's going to be in the Premier League one way or another next season. I think if Arsenal miss out on him, I think they might regret it. Uh, moving on to Aston Villa. Now, this is a player they have been linked with loosely, but no concrete talk of them making a move for him. But I think Tammy Abraham of Chelsea makes all the sense. You look at Villa's attack. They've brought in Emi Buendia to go with Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins. Buendia and Grealish are both more creative players than goal scorers. Watkins will score goals, but he's not a natural number nine. He's only had two seasons playing through the middle. So I would be curious to see if maybe they play Buendia Narrow on the right, Grealish as the 10, and Ollie Watkins off the left, taking advantage of the fact that they've got a really good attacking right back, Maddie Cash, who's a great crosser of the ball, in particular that back post area. And if you get a six foot two Ollie Watkins coming in at the back post, on top of right backs, on top of smaller centre backs, that's an area that he can cause real trouble. He runs the channels well, he's played most of his football in wide positions. I think Watkins as a wide player works, which means they need a nine. And they also need more goals in the team regardless. Now, they've currently been linked with Leon Bailey. Bayer Leverkusen wide player can play right side or left side, all left foot, loves to get forward and just cut inside onto that left foot and let, let the shot go. He will shoot from absolutely anywhere. He doesn't care. Even if they sign him, they may still lose Grealish. In which case they could go Bailey on the on the right, Buendia as the 10, and Watkins on the left. I still think they'll go number 9. I would buy a number 9 if I was them, and I would buy Tammy Abraham. He's already been on loan there. He had a very, very successful loan in the 2018-19 season. 26 goals in 40 games. That came off the back of a really bad season in the Premier League with Swansea. He had a great season at Bristol, dreadful season with Swansea. This season at Villa kind of reignited him, and he would go on to have a really good 19-20 season with Chelsea scoring 18 and 47. Tammy is 23 years of age. He'll be 24 in October. He's got good hold-up play, good link play, can play by himself or part of it too. So if you wanted, you could go to a box-type midfield. Douglas Louise and McGinn as a pair. Buendia and Grealish playing in to out, so as narrow attacking number eights, kind of like a dual number 10, who can drop out into wide positions out of possession. And then you get Tammy and Watkins, who I think would work very well together as a front two. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. I don't think Chelsea are asking for obscene money. Now, rumours are they want in and around 40 million. Villa shouldn't be a problem. If they're talking about 35 for Leon Bailey, I would go the extra five and go and get Tammy Abraham. I think he guarantees them goals. And I think a front four of Buendia, Grealish, Watkins and Abraham with McGinn and Louise sitting behind them is very, very strong. Factor in a really good right back in cash, an excellent centre back in Esri Konza, a very good goalkeeper in Emmy Martinez and a decent left back in Matt Target, who I think we'll see a bit more from this season. Last year, he just looked a little bit off the pace at times, maybe was struggling with some injuries. The only weakness in that team would be Tyron Mings. Villa have the money to go and buy Abraham and buy a centre back. They have the money. They've got very rich owners. Wes Edens will be in great form because his NBA team just won the NBA championship, the Milwaukee Bucks. He's ambitious. He's aggressive. He won't stand for stagnation. Put it this way. 
if his team had lost at any point in the NBA playoffs, their coach was going to get sacked. Mike Budenholzer was going to get sacked because it's always got to be about moving forward. They had the best record in the league two years in a row, failed in the playoffs. This season, they weren't as good in the regular season, went into the playoffs, Budenholzer under all kind of pressure. You would imagine having had the best record in the league for two years, you'd buy yourself a bit of breeding room, not with Wes Edens. So he will want to see this team continue to get better. I think Tammy Abraham makes them better. Uh, up next then, I've got Brentford. So I think they need a wide forward. They've already brought in a holding midfielder. They've brought in a centre-back. Could maybe use a little bit of help at right back. I, I'm not a huge fan of the goalkeeper, but I don't know that they'll address that. I look in attack. I see Mbomo from the right. Ivan Tony through the middle. I wonder if they couldn't do with someone to play off the left-hand side in that front three. And I think a really good fit would be Adam Ola Luckman of Orby Leipzig. Just had a good season with Fulham on loan in the Premier League. London boy. Very, very talented. Still only 23. Like Tammy will be 24 in October. Don't think Leipzig are going to be offer, will be asking for ridiculous money for him. They may even be willing to loan him out. He signed a five-year deal in 2019. So he's still got three years left in that contract. Maybe you get him on loan, option to buy for 15 to 18 million. If it works, you sign him up. If it doesn't, you send him back. I think Luckman would be a really good fit in that front three. I think he'd work really well with Ivan Tony. I think his pace and movement off Tony could be something that unlocks things for them. I think Adam Ola Luckman makes a lot of sense for them. On to Brighton. So they're losing Ben White. They need a replacement for Ben White. Someone that can play right side of a back three, ideally. They've been linked to Nathaniel Phillips from Liverpool. I think that's just a terrible fit. I, I personally don't think he's a Premier League caliber centre-back. I certainly don't think he can play in Brighton's team, but they are linked with him. But I think they need someone who's better on the ball, quicker, more flexible in terms of how he can play. So I think what you want is someone that can play right side of the three or drop in as a right back if you drop to a flat back four at times in and out of possession. Now this one's a bit ambitious. And maybe this is one where it has to be a loan and maybe there's no buy option. I don't know that the player would be interested, but I think it's a really good fit for what Brighton need and where they're going. There are other needs in the team. I think they need a left back, but they've been strongly linked with Mark Cucurella. They need a striker, but Odson Edward, allegedly, they're in for him. I think that would be two great signings if they got those two. Um, They'll probably need one in midfield if Basuma leaves, but they have Mbwepu. They have young Casado that they signed in January. So I think that centre-back role is probably the big need for them to address. And I think Tilo Carrere of PSG is one they could at least try for. Schalke Academy graduate, been at PSG since 2018, has never really established himself as a starter, hasn't progressed the way he was expected to. When he was at Schalke, I think a lot of people thought within two to three years, he'll be first choice for the national team. The move to PSG hasn't worked all that well. From They spend a lot of money on him. They've never really used him in the best way possible. He played a lot of right back. And while he can play there, it's not his best position. He's not going to develop playing there. But they needed him there because they were trying to carry Thiago Silva. So they had him at right back, Presnel Kimbembe at left, back, uh, left center back. And Marquinhos sat in the right side of defensive midfield role, all to protect Thiago Silva. But I think Carrer needs to move away from PSG to reignite his career, get himself back on track. And I do think Brighton would be an interesting fit. Again, it's ambitious. Maybe it's not possible. But on a loan, possibly he's got two years left on his deal. Would PSG be willing to loan him out with, with an option to buy? And even if he doesn't want the move permanently... I think he might like the idea to come to the Premier League, show what he can do, get away from PSG, get away from that environment, play for a coach who is very well regarded for his development, 
I think Tilo Carrera could make sense for them. Uh, moving on to Burnley, I think they need a wide player. They need help in a, a number of different positions, but I think one of the starting spots they need, I think they need a wide player to play opposite Dwight McNeil. Now, we've seen more and more over the last couple of years Dyche use McNeil on the right-hand side rather than his normal position on the left-hand side. Not frequently, but once every three or four games, once every four or five games, it's more than it used to happen. And I think McNeil quite likes it because it opens up more of his playmaking as opposed to just getting to the byline and whipping a cross in for Chris Wood or Ashley Barnes. So I do wonder if maybe playing McNeil on the right, and again, they may they may lose McNeil, Everton rumoured to be interested, but I do think playing McNeil on the right could open up that left-sided spot for somebody. And I think the ideal player for them to go for is Grady Diangana of West Brom. Former West Ham player, 23 years of age, very, very hard worker, so that takes a big box for Dyche. He's a versatile player. He can play either side. So you can have him and McNeil switching sides constantly. English, homegrown, Dyche likes all of that kind of stuff. Didn't have a great time at West, West Brom, especially when Big Sam came in. For whatever reason, Sam didn't seem to take to him. Now, West Brom, I think, will be open to a sale because the Chinese-owned, I'll say the, the Chinese owners there are rumoured to be looking to sell. There's been a lot of upheaval at the club this year. There's a lot of talk that Chinese business people are being pressured by their government to bring their money home. So maybe, maybe West Brom would be open to selling him. I think Diangana just fits as a Dyche type player. And like I say, I think him on one wing, McNeil on the other, with, you know, Brownhill and Westwood, Brownhill and Cork, whatever the, the pairing is in midfield, Westwood and Cork maybe in midfield. I think that as a four works really well. It gives you good balance. I think Diangana can play as that out and out winger, or he can play a little bit narrow and let Charlie Taylor bomb forward on his outside. I just think that one works. I think that's a decent fit. I think he's an affordable player for them as well. And we saw last summer they tried to sign Harry Wilson from Liverpool. So I do think they're looking for a left-sided, a left-footed player who can play either side. Diangana has, I think he's got the potential to score quite a few goals. In his lone season at West Brom in 1920, 1920 he's got eight goals in 31 games. I think he can carry that into the Premier League. Didn't see it last year. I think he could see it under Dyche. So Grady D in Ghana will be the one for me. Uh, up next then, Chelsea. Not a huge amount of needs. I mean, ideally, I think you'd upgrade the goalkeeper, but I don't think they'll do that this summer. They need a centre-back. They're addressing that with Kunde. There's a lot of talk they want a striker. I don't know if they do that this summer. I still think you can play Pulisic, Havertz and Werner as a front three and make it work. For me, I still think a holding midfielder, but not necessarily someone who's an every-game starter, just a situational player. And I think the perfect one would be Boubacar Kamara of Marseille. Can play holding midfield, can play centre-back, can play as a wide centre-back in a three, can play either full-back spot in a back four. Hugely versatile, only 21, turns 22 in November. Already has quite a bit of experience. Natural leader, natural organiser. Maybe you can bring him in and develop him to be Thiago Silva's replacement in that middle role in the back three. But I do quite like him as a as a defensive midfielder. Now, they do also own Ethan Ampadu. So maybe it's a little bit redundant, even though Kamara is more versatile because he can play the fullback spots in a four. But I think Kamara would be a clever buy for Chelsea. He's affordable. I think he's got one year left on his deal with Marseille. I think the asking price is somewhere in the low twenties. Newcastle have been linked with respect. I think he's, I think he's worthy of a Champions League club. I think Boubacar Kamara would be an interesting one for Chelsea. Crystal Palace. I really like what they're doing so far. I like their focus on youth. I like how they're, you know, building with purpose. They. Brought in Mark Wahey, they brought in, or they're bringing in uh, Joachim Anderson, 
There was rumours of Ozan Quebec, but that seems to have gone a little bit quiet. But I still think they should bring in a third centre-back because they lost three centre-backs in the summer. And I think Tosin Adarabayo of Fulham would be perfect. Rumoured to have a good buyout clause, 10 to 12 million because they got relegated. 6-5, only 23, 24 in September. Played alongside Anderson last season, so already has an existing partnership. Has proven he can play in the Premier League without any doubt. Will have at least some sort of relationship with Mark Wahey from having played through the England underage system. So, you know, that would work in his favour as well. Can play in a two or a three. So gives Vieira tactical flexibility. I think he's ideal. I think he fits the profile of what they're doing. I think it's opportunistic. I think he's the one that makes sense for them. Everton. I think they need a new goalkeeper. I don't think they're going to do it because I think they'll just stick with Pickford because he's England's number one. In fairness to him, he did have a, a good Euros. They could do it a right back, but it wouldn't surprise me if Rafa stuck with Mason Holgate um, and just used his money elsewhere. I think a right winger. I think with Charleston on the left, Calvert-Lewin through the middle, I think a right winger is what, what Rafa needs. This guy has a huge buyout, but he's had a couple of disappointing seasons. Hasn't really progressed the way it was hoped. And Unai Emery doesn't seem to fancy him all that much. Samuel Chukwesi of Villarreal. There have been some suggestions that he could be available for somewhere in the region of 30 million euro. Now, Everton have been linked with um, Abdou Diaby. And is it Alu Diaby? Either way, Diaby and Leon Bailey, both of Bayer Leverkusen, both left footed, cut inside type of wingers. I think Chikwesi is more talented than either, has the potential to be better than both of them. I think he'd fit really well at Everton. I think he's also the type of player that has a good work rate and would buy into what Rafa wants to do. So for me, I think he's one that makes sense. Uh, on to Leeds. They've been linked with Conor Gallagher. So they're clearly looking for a midfielder. Someone with box-to-box capability, powerful runner for midfield, maybe someone that can carry the ball. I think the perfect one for them to continue to just cherry-pick players from Fulham, Zambo and Gisa. I think Zambo is... Available for sure. He's not going to want to play in the championship. I think he'll be pretty affordable. Don't think his wages will be massive. I think Bielsa would quite enjoy working with him. Let me just have a quick hand with something. Now, Bielsa was at Marseille the year before Zambo was there. So they didn't overlap. But I think Zambo will be will be absolutely sensational in Bielsa's team. Now, it might be a bit pricier than maybe they want to pay for midfielder. The, the Gallagher one is, is is a loan. But maybe they can do an, a loan with an option to buy from Fulham or an obligation to buy. I think he'd be incredible. I think him and Calvin Phillips is a midfield you can really hang your hat on. Rafinha one side, Harrison the other. Rodrigo playing kind of centrally as well behind Bamford. That, to me, would make them a, a real force in midfield. I think Zambo is ideal. Uh, last one before we take our break. Um, Leicester City. I think Matthias Pereira from West Brom. If we look at Brendan's team, he has largely played 4-1-4-1 or a back three. I think he might go with the 4-1-4-1 next season. If we say Pereira is the right back, James Justin when he returns the left back, Sayonchu plus Evans or Fafana in centre-back, Ndidi as the holding midfielder, Barnes off the left, Madison and Thielemans as the central midfielders, Vardy's probably still the number one guy up front, 
they've got good depth in pretty much all of those positions. The likes of Castagna, Fafana, Benkovic, uh, the young left back whose name escapes. You know, they brought in Ryan Bertrand as well, quality player. Um, they could do with a decent backup goalkeeper. Although Danny Ward is good, I just think I mean someone that can be a long-term successor for um, for Casper. They've got Iosi Perez. They've got Bubakar Samari, who they brought this summer. They've got Mendy. They've got Chowdhury. Dennis Pryor is still there. So they've got quality. And then up front, obviously, Ianacho and Daka. They've got quality pretty much everywhere, except the starting player on the right of the attacking midfield four. And I think Matthias Pereira would be perfect. Inventive, goal scorer, great set pieces, good work rate, versatile as well, can play right side or left side, can play off a striker, can play as a 10 if you go to a back three, you want to play a 10. I think Matthias Pereira would make a lot of sense for Leicester. Now, I don't know if they've got the money left to do that. Um, they obviously, like I said, bought Daka, bought Samari. There's been some talk that James Madison could go. That seems to have quietened down. The Tielemann stuff seems to have quietened down. I I think Matthias Pereira would be perfect for Leicester. I really do. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get through the other 10 teams in the Premier League. Seen a few. Right, welcome back. So, um, we start off now with Liverpool. So, the obvious need is a midfielder. Ginny Wijnaldum is gone. There's a lot of talk of Saul. I think it probably will be Saul. But to look for an alternative, again, this is someone that has been loosely linked, but nothing concrete, nothing reported by anybody with real credibility, would require a slight change in how Liverpool play, but I think he'd be brilliant. Sergei Milinkovic-Savage. I just think if you buy him, you can play him as an 8 in your 4-3-3, or you can play him as a 10 and go 4-2-3-1. Now, if you play him as a 10, I think you play Salah as the 9, and you use Sergei in the same way that, that City used to use Yaya. And Sergei and Salah are your Yaya and Aguero. I think he would be close to in, unstoppable in the Premier League. 6-3, flawless technique, great control, brilliant shot off both feet. I think he'd be a phenomenal signing for Liverpool. I think he's available. I think they've got ways and means to get that deal done. Shakiri rumoured to be interesting Lazio. Lazio will owe Liverpool quite a substantial amount if they sell Luis Alberto. They could offer to waive the sell-on clause in that deal and throw in Shakiri on top of, say, I don't know, 30 million. Shakiri's reward 12, that's 42. And it's a 25% sell-on of the entire fee for Luis Alberto, who... I think would command 40 to 50 million. So let's say say 40, that's another 10 million. I think that's 50 million or or so. I think that gets Milinkovic-Savage at this point. And I think he'd be perfect perfect for Liverpool. Uh, On Liverpool, uh, reports, well, not reports so much as scuttlebutt that uh, Federico Chiesa is a name that they are very interested in. Now, the spoofer with the catchphrase has come out and said, nothing is happening, it's impossible. I think he might want to take a quick look at Juventus' financial situation. I really do think he might want to do that. They are a mess. There is a reason it's them, Madrid and Barca, who are still fighting for this Super League, because all of their finances are in dreadful condition. Barca's are well documented. Real are allegedly open to selling everybody. Everybody. That's how bad their finances are. And Juventus are massively in debt. They've made a lot of stupid moves. Fabio Paratici, well done, son. Left behind a car crash. They want to sell Ramsey. Ramsey's on about 400 grand a week. They're not selling him. They're going to have to give him away for free and then give him a bunch of money to go away. They want to sell Rabio. He's on huge money because they signed him on a free. They might 
they will get a fee from because he's still a very good player. But a lot of clubs will be put off by how toxic his mother is. And I don't know that many clubs will be willing to match the wages. So even if they get a good fee from 25, 30 million, they likely owe him back most of that to make up the difference in his wages. You look through the Juventus squad, it's not a particularly good squad. Mary Demerell is one that's been rumoured to be available uh, for transfer, 35 million. They still owe out quite a bit of money on him. Like, that's not profit they're taking. They might take a small profit on him, but not a huge amount. When you look through the Juve squad, there's not a whole lot of saleable assets. And they need to buy a couple of players. They need to buy a couple of fullbacks. They really could do it a better goalkeeper. They're currently in talks to give uh, Cialini a new contract. Um, they've given Benucci one. They ha- are in talks to give Dybala a new contract. That's going to be a huge contract. He's going to want mega money. And then you've got the Cristiano situation. And as I've said a few times, I think they would quite happily have let him go this summer. But nobody wants him because nobody's going to give them any money for him and nobody wants to take on that contract. So for Juve, they now have to keep him. And then you start to look at it moving forward. Can they afford to just keep him one more year and then let him leave on a free? They paid about $100 million to get him there. They're paying him in and around $70 million a year, all things considered, wages, bonuses, and image rights. They're far too committed to this to just let him walk for nothing. So they may well have to extend him for a couple of years and keep him around. Like, they could probably sell Kulazewski. They still owe most of the $45 million they paid for him. They're not going to get much more than that for him, not in a COVID market. They don't actually own Chiesa. Chiesa's on loan from Fiorentina. For last season, for three million. This coming season, for seven million. Then they've got an obligation to buy him for forty million. So that'll be fifty million all in, and then another ten million after that in potential add-ons, which by all accounts are very easy for them to hit. They don't have that money, and there's a lot of talk that Liverpool aren't actually talking to Juventus; they're talking to Fiorentina. So maybe Fiorentina believe there is a way. For them to back out of the deal with Juventus. And if Juventus can't afford to buy him now. Even with the second year's loan option. Maybe. Just maybe there is something in it. It's a complicated deal. But I would trust the person that brought his name forward. Graham Kelly. Who has far more information regarding Liverpool. Than someone like Spoofrizio. Who has no idea about anybody. None. So let's wait and see. Very complicated deal. I don't think it gets done. But Liverpool are certainly trying hard, by all accounts. And they wouldn't be if they didn't think it was possible. They've gotten proper encouragement to make this move. Either from Fiorentina, or the player, or Juventus, or two of the three, or all three. Liverpool do not commit to go for something unless they think they can get it done. Um, but for the purpose of this exercise for today, uh, Milinkovic Savage is the name I've put forward. Um, Newcastle, I think they need a striker. I think they need a target man type who can link play and score goals. And I think Sasa Kaladzic is the ideal fit. Now, they could potentially send Jolington to Stuttgart because he's done well in, in the Bundesliga before as part of a deal here. 6-7, good on the ball, very quick feet, good finisher, good passer, hard working. I think Sasa Kalasic makes a lot of sense for Newcastle. They have other needs, obviously. They could do it a bit more help at centre-back. They could probably do it a little bit of help at right-back. But I think the biggest need for them is going to be up front, and I think he'd be perfect. Manchester City, I think the biggest need is left-back. Canseo's a right-back by nature. Obviously, Walker plays right-back. Their left-backs are Mendy, who just hasn't worked since he joined, and Zinchenko, who just isn't a left-back. He's a midfielder. I think left-back's their biggest need. 
they've been linked with Nuno Mendes of Sporting uh, Sporting Club de Portugal. But I think the perfect one for them is Theo Hernandez. AC Milan left back, 23, will turn 24 in October. Big, powerful, pacey left back. Great delivery, great quality on the ball. He, for me, is one of the best left backs in the world. There's been some links for him this summer to Paris Saint-Germain. They seem to have gone a little bit quiet. I think he'd be perfect for City. He's had an interesting career. He came through the Atletico Madrid Academy. Um, spent a year on loan at Alaves. AC, uh, Real Madrid paid a buyout clause of €24 million to bring him in. Didn't use him properly for a year. Then shipped him off to Real Sociedad on loan. He was brilliant there. And then Real sold him to AC Milan. Real Madrid are just one of the worst run clubs going. Real Madrid should have Hakimi at right wing back. And this guy at left wing back. Flanking, you know, some quality players. Instead, they've made a mess of the whole thing. But I think Theo Hernandez would be perfect for Manchester City. I think he'd give them the outlet they need down the left. And I think they could go with him and Canseo as fullbacks or wingbacks in a three. And it would be perfect. Manchester United, Varane is, is across the line. They've announced they have a deal in principle for him. We know they want a right back, but the name they want at right back is very, very out there, Kieran Trippier. I don't think they're really considering anybody else at this moment in time. The next big need for them, and in fact, I think it was the biggest need for them going into the summer, is a holding midfielder. But they'll want someone who's not just a ball winner. They'll want someone who can play as well. And for that reason, I think Marcelo Brozovic of Inter Milan is absolutely ideal. Inter are in a terrible state financially as well. They need to make some sales. They don't want to have to cash in on Barella, Lukaku or Latura Martinez. So Brozovic makes sense as one they could move on from. 28 years of age. He'll be 29 in November. So he's not a young player, but he is right in the middle of his prime. Very, very experienced at club and international level. He's been top class for Inter for the last few years. A key part of what Antonio Conte did there. Very good in the ball, but excellent defensively. Can play in a two or a three. I think he could play in a three with Bruno, him, and Fred, or he could play in a two with either Fred or McTominay. I think Brozovic is ideal. For Norwich, we know they lost Buendia. They brought in Milot Rashika. But I think they still need one more in attack, one more behind the striker, who will likely be Timo Puki. Rashika plus one, and then Cantwell, I think, is the way to go. And I think a really good fit there is Takumi Minamino of Liverpool. Definitely available. Liverpool don't loan players out, senior players out, if they plan to keep them long term. Now, the talk this summer has been that, oh yeah, no, he's part of the plans. I, I don't believe he is. I think they're open to offers. I think they'd accept a good loan with an option to buy if you stay up. I think he fits really well in how Daniel Farker plays. I think Takumi Minamino would be a really, really clever signing for Norwich City. Now, on to the next club, which is Southampton. Obviously, they had Minamino last year. I, I still think they need help in attack. They've been linked with Adam Armstrong. He may well be a Danny Ings replacement if Ings leaves. But I think they need one in the line... We know that what Ralph does, he plays that 4-2-2-2. They've got three good options in the midfield too. They've got Ariel Romeo, James Ward-Prowse and Young Diallo. They've got Ings, Che Adams, Redmond, Walcott. Okay options in the front too. It's the line behind that I think they need one in. They've got Armstrong. They've got uh, Gineppo, I think they need one more. I think David Brooks of Bournemouth would be absolutely brilliant in that team. Can play wide or through the middle. Very, very talented. Far too good to be still in the championship. Ankle injury set him back. He had that ankle injury in 1920, but I was impressed with, when, with him when I saw him last season. I think he's one that could move on this year, and I think Southampton would be a really good fit for him. Uh, Spurs, we know they're looking to bring in Romero. 
Tomiyasu, right back, right centre back. I still think they need a left side centre back and ideally a left footed left side centre back for balance. This is one I suggested last summer. I'm going to suggest him again this summer. Abdu Diallo of Paris Saint Germain. Organiser, leader, been a captain at every level he's been, he's played at. He's only 25. Very strong, good on the ball, good recovery speed. I think him and Romero would be a really good pairing there. That's who I would like to see Spurs go for. They were linked with Kunde. Obviously, it looks like Kunde's potentially going to Chelsea. I think Diallo would be a, a good pivot for them. For Watford, I think they need a centre-back. Looking at their business this summer, I think centre-back is the one area they still have to address. They brought in Matty Pollock, but he's very young. The jump from Grimsby to the Premier League will be too big in one season. I think they need someone with a bit of pace, someone with some Premier League experience. Now, this guy doesn't have massive amounts of experience. He's only 23. But Axel Tuanzebe of Manchester United, available on loan by all accounts this summer, I think would make sense for Watford. Can play multiple positions, right back, holding midfield, or centre-back, I think Axel Tunzebi would be a quality signing for Watford on a loan, even if there's no option to buy, even if it's just a one season, bring him in, I think he'd help. So for me, that's the move I'd like to see them make. Um, West Ham have a good right-back. They're decent enough at centre-back. I think they need a left-back. Cresswell's good, but he's injury-prone. Master Wack is massively injury prone. I think they need to bring in a left back. And the one I think would make sense for them is Nico Schultz of Borussia Dortmund. They've got Europa League football, which I think would appeal to him. He's a German international, 12 caps. He's fallen behind Rafael Guerrero at Dortmund. They spent pretty big money to bring him in. I think they spent like 16 or 17 million to bring him in from Hoffenheim. Um, very experienced, 28. Like I say, international. He's played in the Champions League, played in the Europa League. I think Schultz would fit really well. We know that Moyes likes attacking fullbacks. When he was at Everton, he had Coleman, he had Baines. Soufal's attack minded. They've been linked with uh, Stryger Larson. He's attack minded. Masawaka can't defend. He's very attack minded. He's also more of a wing back than a fullback. And then you've got Cresswell, who's also more attack-minded, though he has played in a back three in the last year or so. So defensively, you know, he, he can do a solid job. Schultz is much the same. Very attack-minded, very quick, pacey player. Good carrying the ball. Really good left foot. Great crosser. Likes to get a shot off. Not a big-time goal scorer, but will try his luck from range. I think Nico Schultz makes a lot of sense for West Ham. And then finally, Wolves. It has to be a centre-back. It has to be a centre-back. They just... They don't have good options at centre-back. They've got a manager now, Bruno Lager, who wants to play a back four. None of their centre-backs, other than Kilman, who, for me, is, is a backup player at this level. I think they need to bring the centre-back. There's two options here. One of them has played for Lager before. One of them is also, you know... Another uh, Portuguese player. I would say the one to go for is Diogo Lete of Porto. 22, big, big unit, dominant, strong player, decent pace, good on the ball. Not the most experienced player. Only has, I think, 51 games at senior level for Porto. But huge potential. And obviously fits in with how they want to play. Fits in with the culture that they've built at the club. I think Diogo, Lo uh, Diogo Lete would make sense. Porto also need to sell some players. So there's a possibility he could be one that's available. The other one would be Ferro of Benfica. He spent last year on loan with Valencia. Um, he's played under Laja before and done very well under him. Him and um, Ruben Diaz was the, the pairing for 
you know, for a good portion of the season under Laja. But I think I'd go Diogo Letta. I think I think he's the one to go for. More physical, better in the air, more aggressive. I, I think he'd be a really good fit. Um, so that's it. That is 20 players for 20, 20 signings, 20 clubs. Dumfries for Arsenal, Abraham for Villa, Luckman for Brentford, Career for Brighton, Diangana for Burnley, Kamara for Palace, sorry, Kamara for Chelsea, Tosin for Palace, Chukwesi for Everton, Zambo for Leeds, Matthias Pereira for Leicester, Sergei for Liverpool, Theo Hernandez for City, Brozovic for United, Minamino for Norwich, David Brooks for Southampton, Diallo for Spurs, Tunzebi for Watford, Schultz for West Ham, uh, Let for Wolves. I've missed one. Oh, Sasakalazich for Newcastle. That'll be the 20. Uh, we'll quickly wrap up with the gossip and get ourselves out of here for the day. Uh, Champions League winners Chelsea have opened talks with Sevilla over Jules Kunde. Uh, they're reporting his buyout to be £68.4 million. I think it's a bit higher than that. But even at that, that's still, that's still a, a hefty chunk of change. Um, the Blues could include Kurt Zuma, blah, blah, blah. Erling Haaland. Hopes reports linking him with a move to Chelsea are just rumours. I, I don't understand what that's meant to say. Uh, Chelsea will, will consider offers of over £40 million for Tammy Abraham. I think that's fair. Jack Grealish will decide his future next week, being an internationalist currently on holiday. A lot of talk that City could have something in place. Saw Sam Lee in the Athletic yesterday suggest that he believes there are things in place. But then he, he told some lies about Liverpool having Fabinho in a in a shirt taking pictures 12 months before they signed them that just aren't true. So I don't know whether to believe what he says or not. Um, Manchester City are poised to make an opening offer of 75 million plus add-ons for the midfielder who is valued at 100 million. Well, first of all, Grealish isn't a midfielder. He's an attacker. And secondly, Villa aren't going to accept much below what they want for him because they don't need to. Uh, Liverpool will look to sign... Adama Traore in a cup price £30 million deal. No, they won't. Arsenal have made an ambitious inquiry for Latour Martinez. I thought I heard laughter coming from Milan. It must have been that. Uh, Manchester United midfielder Paul Pogba is in no hurry to decide his future, whether it lies at Old Trafford or elsewhere. I would imagine United are in a hurry for him to decide his future, though. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's hopes of making... Further additions to his squad is likely to hinge on the future of Pogba and Jesse Lingard. I think they're selling, they're spending the Pogba money on Varane personally, and I think they'll need to sell Lingard to fund the uh, the right back they want, Kieran Trippier. Uh, Ivory Coast defender Eric Bailly will seek clarification over his future at Manchester United. You're you're a squad player, son. The same thing you have been for the last few years. There's no clarification needed. You are a squad player. Because you cannot stay fit. It's as simple as that. West Ham are waiting to see whether United defender Phil Jones would be willing to join them on a free transfer with a contract based on incentives. So, you know, incentives means pay as you play. Uh, this is from Eurosport. So I don't know how, how much faith to put into it. Um, Tottenham remain in talks with... Atalanta over Christian Romero, but are unwilling to pay Atalanta's £47 million asking price. That is being reported by Spoofrizio. So we'll put that one right in the bin. Um, Tottenham could face competition for Romero for Barcelona. Barcelona have no money, so let's just not link them to anybody. Lorenzo Pellegrini has been linked with Tottenham as well. He does not want to leave Roma and is in talks with signing a new contract. Fair enough. Barcelona appear closer to reaching a, a deal to extend Iliax Moreba's deal at the club with the current contract of the 18-year-old expiring next summer. He doesn't seem to be too keen on a new deal, so it, it's a weird one. Maybe he's just pushing for big money. Um, Man City have agreed a deal to send Japanese forward Retaro Machino on loan to Portuguese top flight club Estoril Preya. Never even heard of the player. He's 23. Tell you how many players City own. Turkish Super League club Trabzonspor are keen to sign Michi Batshuayi in a season long loan. He, he badly needs to get away from Chelsea. 
badly, badly needs to get away from Chelsea. Now, his current contract, I think, expires next summer. So, Chelsea will force him to sign a new deal if they're going to loan him out. That's just what they do. Uh, last summer's £35 million sale of Fabio Silva from Porto to Wolves has been investigated by Portuguese authorities. Madness taking place in Portugal. If you haven't read it, check it out. Crazy stuff happening with Benfica and with Porto. Lots of corruption. Um, I'm sure George Mendes has his hands in it all, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, Newcastle United are increasingly hopeful of signing Joe Willock on another loan from Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, if if he's going, if Arsenal are going to let him go, they should keep him under contract, just loan him again. I wouldn't sell him. I think he's I think he's got potential that you can develop. It may not happen under Arteta, but you'd assume a good manager will eventually rock up at, at the Emirates and, and take control. Uh, French side Monaco have been in touch with Willock's entourage about a move, uh, which would offer the player the chance of playing Champions League football. Fair, fair. Don't don't believe it to be true. Um, don't think they need a Joe Willock type. Um, but if he gets the option, he, you know, he should consider it at least. Uh, Max Allegri has hinted that 31 year old Bosnian midfielder Miralem Pjanic, who struggled for game time at Barcelona, could return to the club. Allegri loves Pjanic. Him and Dybala were kind of the two main, I suppose, parts of Allegri's team. At UV the first time round. Uh, Hearts are interested in signing Everton's 22-year-old Congo-born midfielder, Benny Bengimi. Banningimi? Who knows? Uh, great. Fair play? I, no idea. Literally, I don't know that I've ever seen him play. Uh, but if he goes to Hearts, I hope he does well. For them. Hope the play- I want to see all the players do well. Uh, that's it. Slightly longer show than expected today, but that 20 signings for 20 teams thing took quite a long time. So we will leave it there. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Do tell your friends. Continue to help us grow. Thanks to Guy Drinkle. Thanks to Fox Hunt. Remember to check out the EPL Index shop on Etsy and um, Home of Hopcroft and Liberty Shield. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.